Good evening, Patriots, and it's Tuesday, April 18th in the year 2023. We have an update tonight on Shelley Luther, which I'll read here in a bit. And uh, it's interesting when you put in her name. <laughs> I in Brave, Brave has got this new thing, Brave Browser. I, I swear it's an AI chatbot running behind the scenes. And it gives you what they call the summarizer. The summarizer. Shelly Luther is an anti-lockdown activist and GOP candidate, become nationally known at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 when she refused to shut down her Dallas salon in defiance of emergency orders. No, in speaking for freedom, that's what Shelly Luther is about. And we're going to pray for her as she continues to recover slowly from this very horrific aneurysm she had in her head. Patriots, one thing that is very important right now is to preserve the hard-earned cash that you've set aside for retirement and do so in getting it into some sort of an account that has precious metals. Right now, we are headed to a point where they're literally going to strip away the ability to save. At least that's their intent. And their intent is to force us into this digital nonsense, which more and more people are getting on board with, which just drives me crazy. And so you need to get it into a safe foundation. One thing about precious metals is that they are steady and they are solid, literally. So we have Birch Gold to help you do that. I recommend you check them out. They are an awesome company. Patriots, inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, Long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in precious metals, gold and silver, and the best part, it's tax sheltered. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text BARDS to 989898 today. Patriots, there's no time to waste. We're in a critical moment in our economy. Things are changing and they are changing fast. Again, text BARDS to 989898 today. Oh yeah, real easy. Just text it, 989898. Use that number, put the word BARDS in there. Bing, you get a link. It's all you need. Good. All right, let me read this thing from this update, not thing, this update on Shelly. This starts out as a piece from Tim and then it transitions to her sister and you'll understand why in a minute. Day 14 from Tim, I'm feeling pretty wiped out today and wasn't really able to put into words where we were today. 
Then I saw my sister-in-law, Carrie She Bird's post and feel like she said it best. So I'm copying and pasting from her tonight. Thank you all for the continued prayers. They are working, double exclamation mark. So there's a picture that was included in this, which is Shelly singing, very intense, very powerful. You can just tell by the, the voice or the picture of the face. So it says, the picture is perfect, showing the power my sister can display and the effort she is currently trying to get her strength, mind, body back. Her spirit never left. Shelly has been removed off the ventilator and breathing on her own and is trying desperately to speak and share her love for family and support. Her mind gets a little jumbled at times, but that is to be expected with hemorrhaging brain injury and 10 days in a coma. Her vitals and cranial pressures are still a little wacky with her brain drain still inserted and helping relieve excess pressure and we are still in the danger zone for another stroke and seizures. My prayer request is that she is rid of the major anxiety due to ICU delirium causing scary hallucinations. As her brain creates new pathways and tries to restore her beautiful creative mind. Y'all, she is fighting so hard. She is trapped in a mind that is has suffered much trauma, but she will fight. I ask I also ask for prayers for her husband, Tim. He has been a boulder of a rock and has stood by her side every second. He has to witness the love of his life, scared to death while fighting with every bit of energy she has to get well 24 hours a day. I pray he gets rest to be restored daily. At times, there are moments of joy. She told me she loved me. She mumbled she is aware of her ruptured brain aneurysm, and she said the nurses and doctors are phenomenal. We have been given some upsetting news about health coverage and given an estimate of what the current bill is to date, and I am praying on how to help Tim handle that. So many of you have asked how you can help, offered food, rides, airline miles for our family, helped with her rescue ranch and 24-hour prayer chains, and so on and so on. Thank you, big bold exclamation points. The support restored my thoughts on humanity and just how beautiful God's children are when we come together after being witness to someone they care for unexpectedly is fighting for precious life and their family is in desperate pain. Shelley has a message to spread of God's miracle of how the doctors, nurses, and support we have helped us reach this far. She is just the voice to do it. We just need her to stay calm and rest so we can get her to the next phase of physical mental recovery. My family thanks all of you from a place in our hearts that can be expressed can only be expressed by unconditional love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shelly needs us all be- to believe that she can beat this and stand and walk out of the hospital bed that she was once prisoned to on life support. I have completely, I have a completely different perspective on life, and I won't let a day by without telling those I love just how much they mean to me. So thank you all. Keep believing. That's a nice update. We'll do a quick prayer here for Shelly and Tim. 
Father, we're just very humbled tonight with the updates on Shelly as we see miraculous healing happening and we continue to, to declare miraculous healing for her. We know she's still in a critical state, but now she's off life support. She's starting to be on her own. And we just pray for a rapid and a miraculous healing of the problems she's having still with the pressure on the brain. And we pray that she will remain calm and understand that some of these things take time, but you have her. So Jesus, we just ask that you can be there with her. And Father, we pray for Tim. These sorts of things take a toll. And we are seeing and witnessing something so beautiful, which is a selfless love for the person he's married to. A reminder of what we truly are as people and what we truly are as beings. So Father, we pray for Tim's restoration. And we pray for rest. And we just pray for the two of them that they continue to build that closeness through the body of Christ and through that the miraculous healing coming to Shelley so that they can once again join in this union, that they've, this journey they've set upon. And may they both become beacons and lights on the hill for others to realize the miracles of you, Father. An inspiration to constantly seek you in our lives. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity for us to pray and to be part of this. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good bit of update. In another update today, which is a really cool update, a few weeks back, one of our own was asked for some help. She was in a pretty tough space. She's so sweet, 88. And she was living out of her car. Well, today, thanks to Bards Nation, enough money was raised that she was able to buy her own trailer. She picked it up today. Or did she paid for it today and got it today. She's still looking for a place, a campground or a uh, RV place to place it. But this is really amazing. And I, I will tell you, I may push, we'll see, there's a couple things that she may need a little help on. We may push for a little bit of funding on that. So that, that um, gives and go, I believe, is... She needs prayers, if I'm not mistaken. I'll check it out. But um, anyway, I'll put it back up. And if you're so inclined, you can continue to help a bit as she gets the trailer and tries to get a few things together to get back on her feet. But this is a huge step, and I just thank everybody for being part of this. Really big step. Wonderful, wonderful. So thank you all. And that's really what this is all about is us working together to overcome and to be the overcomers. These days are difficult days and they're difficult because there's so many things happening and happening at once. And it's just a constant war on everything that we believe. And worse on, on the layers of this is there's really nobody that we can trust at this point in time. I don't know if you've been tracking it. This is getting more than irritating. This is getting to the point of blasphemous and just outright disgusting. 
But this narrative push that's coming out of the Trump camp and circles of patriots that are comparing Trump's journey as a resurrection journey. I don't know if you've been tracking this, but it's right there. Comparing John Jr. or Trump Jr., whatever, Don Jr., that's what I'm trying to say. Don Jr. made a comparison to the fact that Christ was arrested on Easter Day. And they're doing this over and over. They're comparing Trump to Christ. It doesn't end well if they keep that up. So it's not, it doesn't put me in a, in a sympathetic mood when you have somebody who's supposed to be a president or at least of a respective nature of president and everybody's trying to pass him off as the next coming, which makes, there's an enormous, there's another side of this, which is rightfully so. There's a lot of suspicion emerging as to whether this is a Masonic ritual, which I've said all along, in order to achieve power, you have to go through a humiliation rite of passage. And it looks like they're going to try to pass him off as kind of like the the second coming Antichrist or something. I don't know. I mean, that's what it's looking like. I can't tell you that's what it's going to be, but I would be highly suspect at this point in time. And there's way too many people playing into this. And it's it just is another... It really is just another way of trying to degrade faith and our faith. And I, I find it insulting, and I find the people that are pushing it that are non-Trump circle people like on his campaign, I, they're they're bad enough. But the patriots that are getting behind this, shame on you, man. There's I have one king, and it's not Trump. And I don't want a king Trump. And I'm really at a point right now where... Trump mania has about got me burned out to no end. We, we just in this nation, we just don't have good leadership. It's an absolute vacuum right now. And you can start to see the players lining up. You've got obviously John Robert Kennedy Jr. is position. He's already announced he's going to run for presidency. If you're paying attention to General Flynn, he's got a new logo. So I'm expecting he's probably going to throw his hat in the ring. And then you've got Trump, and you've got DeSantis. I mean, this is just, I don't know. There's not any of them right now I'm willing to step up and go, oh, good, you're going to lead us to a decent leadership. Leadership's earned. And honestly, of all the people I just mentioned, the one that does stand out is Robert Kennedy Jr. I'm not, I don't like a lot of what he stands for, but I'll give him credit. He's been on the front line of that Vax thing. If he's actually that staunch against it, we'll see. But our whole thing is, right now, they're doing this to wear everybody down. In these processes that we've gone through, it's all about wearing people down so they will accept this next phase. And you've heard me talk about this a lot. And this is when our guard has to be up and we have to be most vigilant. I want to play this piece. I, I get tired of this, this topic, but I'm going to play it tonight because it has. it is probably one of the best responses I have ever heard to a transgender supporter or transgenders in general. So I want you to hear this. It's about four minutes. It really is solid, scripturally solid, and it's just a very direct, to-the-point, no-nonsense retort 
to what is essentially a, an emerging and growing cult. And it really does an amazing way of just kind of dismantling their whole arguments. So take a listen to this. To my question, when you say that transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely, I ask you, Mr. Knowles, how can we eradicate something that has been here as long as humans have? Well, yeah, there have been all sorts of crazy, terrible ideas for a very long time, too. You, you, you're pointing to civilizations that committed human sacrifice, okay? You're saying that some ancient pagan tribe worshipped demons and therefore we need to castrate children. That's not a good argument. Yes, that's true. There were all sorts of terrible tribes. In fact, as recently as a little over 500 years ago, the Aztecs here in the Western Hemisphere slaughtered 80,000 people in a sacrifice to one of the demons that they worshipped within the span of four days. That's not a recommendation of doing Doing that. I don't think that we ought to consider it. Though, unfortunately, in our increasingly pagan and liberal culture, we do commit human sacrifice to the tune of 800,000 babies a year sacrificed through abortion. And it would make the Aztecs blush what we do. But, but that doesn't make it the right thing. You refer to a notion that is increasingly popular on the left, which is the idea of the two-spirit among various indigenous tribes. That is not real. That is a contrivance of white liberals in America. There have been various conceptions of sex and gender for all of human history, uh, but, but the, the idea of the two-spirited uh, indigenous intuition of some modern transsexual living in New York City who's a man who very much desires to be a woman, that is a complete fiction. You will not find that in literature dating very far back. Uh, so what does it say about the question itself? The question, regardless of what the ancient Sumerians believed before they chopped up little, little kids or whatever, is, is it true? Can a man really be a woman and can a woman really become a man? We all know that the answer to that question is false. That's why Professor McCloskey pulled out of our debate at the last moment next week, because even a distinguished professor knows, he has the intelligence to know, even if he is transgender identifying himself, that he can't win that debate because the idea is indefensible. So the, the question becomes, how does, how does one know that someone with the total physical appearance of a man, how can one know that that person really is a woman? Do you have an answer to that question? How can, you're, was, to clarify, you're asking how can somebody know if they are a woman? And how can I know if that person is a woman? If, if not by the physical attributes, their natural and enduring biological sex. What's the alternative to that? So my, my response to you is then a question of, what is the purpose of knowing another person's sexual, well, sexual see, there, there identity? There you are. Or, but let me finish. Yeah. If it's not for the premise of reproduction, hmm? no, and there's no, no, no. there's no need to relate, outside of that, then I don't quite understand why we would need to question or... So this, or is, what, this is what happens whenever you ask a transgender activist to explain even the basic premise of the movement is they'll immediately say, well, who cares? Why, why are you so obsessed with this? I'm not obsessed with this. I'm not the one who started sending men into the women's bathroom and taking away their trophies and castrating kids. I'm perfectly happy with the way things have worked for thousands of years. It is the transgender activists who are trying to upend everything. And so I think it's, it 
is at least my right to ask the question, okay, what is the premise of your movement? But they always deflect from that. They always withdraw from the debate. They always try to change the subject because there is no answer. So you ask me, well, what's the purpose of, why, why do you even care? What's the purpose of knowing someone's biological sex? Well, for starters, because we have civil rights specifically for women in the United States. We have special bathrooms for women. We have special sports leagues for women. We have all sorts of special places and rights and privileges and, and that are for women that are not for men. So if now some men, people who at the very least appear to be men, are claiming a right to go into those women's bathrooms, then they, we either have to abolish all of the special rights and privileges that have existed for women for all of human history and are enshrined in our law, or they need to explain to me how those men are actually women. And they can't do the latter, and I'm not willing to do the former, and I don't think women across this country are willing to do the former, even if a few people have been so ideologically blinded that they, that they would give in to this kind of an absurdity. One of the best responses I've heard, level, to the point, and uncompromising. These people are a cult, and they've been brainwashed in, their, in the education system. We've, we know that. But it's growing because they continue to fan the flames of this, and worse is they're trying to mainstream the concepts. The biggest part about this is the, is the prefix trans, which they worked very hard at getting into everything. And then as we get into trans we start to understand that there is a plurality in everything, supposedly. So that's transhuman, which is transferring into a non-human. Transgender is to transition to a non-gender-based society. All of this is by design. It's all Luciferian. And it's not going away. It doesn't matter whether you vote Trump or whether you go Biden. It's already being embraced. I mean, the latest photo, some of the latest photos coming out of Mar-a-Lago is one of the Trumps hanging out with Caitlyn Jenner. That's, you know, it's like it, it, it's all this big celebrity coolness and we're going to be inclusive and we're all going to be this. It's nonsense. And it's all designed to break down faith in, in Christianity. That's its target. Because at the back end of all of this is something called the interfaith dialogue which has been building. And the interfaith dialogue, I'll just read what it says here. It says, refers to a cooperative, constructive, and positive interaction between people of different religious traditions, i.e. faiths, and or spiritual and humanistic beliefs at both the individual and institutional levels. In, it is distinct from syn uh, syncretism, or alternative religion in that dialogue often involves promoting understanding between different religions or beliefs to increase acceptance of others rather than to synthesize new beliefs. This is the big push here behind the scenes. And all of this is being targeted toward building out a new one world religion, which they've already opened up that center in Dubai. Trans people are the center point of that fight. That is the spiritual center point for this, because what it's doing is blending. And you're seeing it happen. You're seeing the pastors that are now trying to quote Jesus and say, and they're celebrating trans rights in churches. And it's selling well with a new age generation that has no accountability, no responsibility, and no foundation in God. They have this whole 5D evolutionary bifurcation garbage that keeps going on in their head. It'll tie into that the Palladians and the Galactic Empire and whatever else we got going. 
It's all one big mishmash. And New Agers are probably the worst because they pick and choose across the... They're like, oh, I'd like take a little piece of yoga and I'll take a little piece of Buddhism and take a little piece of Hinduism. And I'll, I don't want Christ, but I'll call that Christ consciousness and I'll put that there. That's, that's just the whole nonsense of what's going on. And, and what ends up happening is we see a dilution of faith. And unfortunately, we're lacking a strong pulpit, which is what we need. And we need a strong pulpit, but we're not getting a strong pulpit. And, and these, are, these are just very unfortunate events of where we sit these days. And it's up to us to try to transition this. Now, it's interesting that there is a picture that's going around. And this picture is from the Russian soldiers. One is taken in 1916 under the Russian Empire. That would have been Tsarist Russia, pre-Soviet Russia. Because the Soviet Revolution, Russian Revolution didn't happen until 1917. And that's when the communists took over. And then we have a 1923 Russian Federation photo. Now, both of them look similar. And they have a soldier sitting next to two letters, which are X and B. I don't read Russian, but I will tell you that the Cyrillic abbreviation for that means Christ is risen. These are soldiers doing this in the Russian army. Just throwing this out there. If a U.S. soldier was to do this and get a picture circulated, they'd likely be reprimanded in this day. That's the world we live in. So we're definitely in a spiritual war across this world. And it's one that increasingly is going to get crazier and crazier. Joel 3, beginning at 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war, rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused. And come up the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion. And he utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people. And a stronghold for the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and the strangers will pass through it no more. Our position increasingly has to be to step back into that place of kingdom. And this is the time where literally plowshares need to be beaten to swords. 
Nobody likes that. And I, I mean that. I, people don't get comfortable with that. I shouldn't say nobody. I know a lot of guys that do. But people are uncomfortable with that. And it's because we didn't grow up in a culture where f- Christian faith was, had strong warriors. That has not been part of our church environment ever in this world, in the, in the world that we know, which is the modern day world. We have grown up into a world where the pulpit is weak and anymore it's defined by dead stones and skinny jeans. And that's not saying, and I always say this because if I don't say it, someone's going to say, well, you're generalizing too much. Yes, there's good churches out there, but they're not common and they're far and few between. You know, in this town I'm in, there's 20, 30, 40 churches. I know of one, two churches here that have that sort of strength and one in particular and the other one's on the rocks. And I know this town pretty well. That's more common than it is an exception. And we can give people all sorts of excuses and we can talk about how pastors weren't raised in the proper environment, how that's fine, whatever. But, you know, when you're in a war, there's no time to be going back and trying to teach people and and motivate people and get them involved. This is the war. We're in the middle of it. And God is calling those who will listen. And he is roaring from Zion. And as he roars, those who listen are truly getting the feeling, are getting the sense of where we need to be. It is amazing to me when I look back on the things God puts on my heart, the urgency of things, and we talk about them here, and then you see events manifest in the news, the reality of things starting to build, the importance of things to have done. And it's it's constant. It's not any one particular event. But when we're listening to the Lord, he's guiding us. He's directing us of where we need to be. And these are critical times. And we don't have time to waste. And we kind of, we have this multi-hatted role right now, which is not easy. And each one has to take this to prayer and sort this out. It'd be nice if we could say, here's the plan, folks. It's a singular plan for everybody, but that's not the way God's working this. We have a understanding of our, of our task and purpose. And that task and purpose is centered on the ground with us literally loving thy neighbor, building out our community, but we have to be ferocious like a lion at the same time. And we have to know those balances. And that's one of the hardest things to do. I read something earlier today in chat, and it was, or maybe it was last night, but it was really good. It was a comment of how many people feel the wrath, the anger of God and the, and the sadness of the Father. And, and the comment, and I'm paraphrasing, I may not have done it exactly right, but this was essentially what the post was saying. And the, the comment was, it feels schizophrenic sometimes in my head. You know, that is a really good observation because it's hard for us to balance that. There is, there is a, we have a father that is truly loving to us. But at the same time, we are witnessing some of the dumbest actions in human history. And we are watching some of the greatest defiance in human history. You can't tell me father doesn't feel that on two ends. And with this, 
we have to continue to pursue that center line. We have to go back to that captain of the host, the captain of the Lord of the host army, where he's standing and he says, neither, no, I'm not part of this pendulum. We want things to be resolved quickly, easily. We want it to be over. It's not going to work like that. And the problem is you have to be careful, like with any deal. I mean, keep in mind, and this is important. I'm going to go back to Trump. He is the master of the art of the deal. And one of the techniques in there is to draw your opponent down so that they will accept the offer. Remember what he played at every, almost every single rally at the end over the last couple of years. You won't get what you want, but you, may, you will get what you need. I don't know what type of world that is. Because Father doesn't say that to us. He will provide. But there is this whole idea that we have the master class that's dictating to everybody of what exactly we're going to get. And we won't be what you want, but it will be what you need. This is coming out extensively lately with posts, a lot of posts out here, especially with Elon Musk. Okay, we're seeing this. An example, and this was a, a post today by John uh, Ehrlichman, and he wrote in here with a picture from the nineteen from nineteen o three. In nineteen o three, he wrote Henry Ford's lawyer was advised not to buy stock in Ford. "Quote: The horse is here to stay," he was told by a local bank president. He went on. He goes on to say he bought five thousand dollars worth of stock and he sold it in nineteen nineteen. For $12.5 million. And Elon Musk writes to this, In the fairly near future, internal combustion engine vehicles will be viewed in the same way that we view external combustion engine vehicles, in parentheses, steam engines. We're being told that the future is changing without any input from us. This was the whole Q framework. Let us show you a new future. They are, there is a design that's in place that we get no vote in, no say in. And it doesn't relate scripturally. It doesn't relate in our faith. It is just a directive that is being given in, to us that we are going to live a certain way. According to Elon Musk, at least from what he posts, that means we're all going to own a Tesla, a self-combusting car, with batteries that don't work in the cold. It's wonderful. Looking forward to that future. And we're not going to have a choice in it. See, this is where we start to push the patience of humanity. And with this, as we're trying to, we're all going to feel these squeezes because as these pressures mount, there are going to be red lines that people are going to be pushed into. And it's going to be ugly. We're already starting to see that happen. If you didn't follow what happened in Chicago with the youth that were motivated, my guess is that those black youth that were driven to go crazy, riot meaning, they were probably instigated by some paid operatives. They, a lot of them probably did receive money from some fa- fashion to go do the damage they did. They knew there'd be no reprisal because they're not going to do anything to them anyway because that's just the way Chicago works these days. And it's quite possible that they're using some sort of frequency weapon like 5G, which they used in Crimson, I think it's called Crimson Red, what they did in in middle of Africa, the CIA did. 
So we're watching the manipulation of humanity. And we're watching these two sides in what I'm calling the Luciferian pendulum from dark to light. And they're doing this back and forth and trying to keep people off balance, constantly trying to keep people pivoted from one side or the other. You've got people that are almost all there with Elon Musk and they're like, no, 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 that can't be right. You, you, you don't know what you're talking about. And then, of course, that infuses other people saying, no, Elon knows exactly what he's talking about because he's got new free energy technology that's hidden that's going to be coming out. <laughs> I just like, okay, whatever. Let's paint some more stories. And I mentioned, you know, that we've been asking about, people have been asking about how this new money is going to come about. And how, are, how will they get people to embrace, ultimately, this digital tagging and what could very well be that at least symbolically, it's the mark of the beast. You can't buy and sell without it. That kind of idea. And we can get an idea from some of that when we look at COVID con and the toilet paper rash irrationality that blew up. But it's again like there's how are people going to accept it? And we just saw that this play happen. And the the statement, the the mockery is right in our face. You have J.P. Morgan. It was one of the. It was founded by one of the robber barons of the nation. So, and part of getting the Fed stood up. So, J.P. Morgan, company, J.P. Morgan himself is long gone. J.P. Morgan, the company, has partnered with Apple to bring you a new, quote, banking system where you put your money into the Apple universe and you'll get four point two five percent return on your digital dollars. Now, they're just digital dollars at this point because everything is digital. But let's not miss the irony here. As I wrote the other day, and just like that, God's children accepted the mark and all it took was another apple. See it? It's unbelievable. And people are losing their mind over this. They're literally going crazy because they're going to get 4.25% on their money. The worship of these of these things and not leaning into Father to understand where our priorities are. Patriots, I'm not telling you money isn't part of a world, but it's where we place our priorities and our worship. And I'm hard on it because at the end of the day, we have to have our faith. And it has to come first above all things. And this is part of the threshing that we're going through right now. But at the same time, as this starts to pull away... We are an increasingly small group. And that doesn't mean God needs millions, but I just need to point out that if we just take the non-vaxxed on the globe, it's about 20% of the global population didn't accept the shot. About 20%. And those numbers, that looks like roughly, I guess that's, what is that, about 1.4 billion? It's a pretty good chunk of people, I guess. But the question is, what will be what will remain as we continue to go forward with these offers of convenience and ease? Because I guarantee you, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that break away and go, "Oh man, I'll take that Apple Pay thing, four point two five percent." And of course, we've got our ten freedom cities that have been promised to us. I have no idea what that nonsense is about, but they're guaranteeing to give you a great future. So we have to really understand how essential our role is right now. And that means leading from the front, not leading from the rear. 
That means being out in front, being the watcher on the wall. And that takes a measure of risk. And it's the walk, ultimately, that I think we all have to face. 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. And I think it's pretty clear right there. And I'm not saying anybody is concerned about that, but it's just a reminder of the importance of our role every single day. These times are getting interesting. And I am one that will very happily accept the presence of God and very happily embrace the presence of God to transform the world. But what I won't do is sit on my laurels and put that out as a strategy when we are in a world that is so nasty and evil. We have to continue in to prepare ourselves for inclement times. Joseph filled the silos, and that's an interesting story in itself, but nonetheless, we each have our personal silos to fill, and we each have our families to protect, and we each need to build our communities and our tribes. So I said this on the previous show at the end, and I'm going to say it again tonight. One of the things we're going to commit to at the, at the Bards Fest this year, remember there's going to be more than one, is we're going to have some breakouts with people to just talk, share ideas, and build connections. We have to start coming together and thinking outside the box. We are given those tools. That means we have to resolve issues like food, shelter, clothing, transportation, communication, and currency. Those things have to be solved. And those all can be solved through various in different ways in various communities. But what we can't have is where we have a digital network that only exists and breathes and has strength in in this fellowship here without starting to really build the roots in the ground that has some substance even when, or if I should say, even if the digital world goes dark. I don't know what they've got planned. They're not telling us. That's one thing I constantly say. When they're not telling you the plan and they tell you to trust it, you know know you're not going to like it. (laughs) I'm just telling you. It's like you imagine where they're going to be like, oh, um, Johnny, yeah, what? uh, come here. I've got a little tablespoon of something for you. What is it? I can't tell you. It's a surprise. And it's cod liver oil, right? It may be good for Johnny. I guarantee you he's not going to like it. So that's pretty much what I see we're headed into. They're forced transitioning humanity. The irony is that if we really wanted to transition humanity, all you'd have to do is take out the evil ones and eliminate them completely. Show the people who they are, reveal, and tell them that you're going to get rewarded with a bounty if you bring in the head of every pedophile. That's not difficult to imagine. I've said this before. I I will guarantee you how easy this will work. U.S. Marshals put a bolo out of what they want for their top 10 pedophiles in the nation and child sex traffickers. And here's how it works. Anybody that provides information that can lead to the arrest of these individuals will get 10 years tax-free and a zero-interest loan 
for any improvements or a new house. There you go. Done. Easy. Watch how fast that works. Easy. I'm telling you. And just like that, they're going to be swept up. They don't want it to be, though. That's the problem. And that tells you where we sit. And this fight in that point gets very real. Because we know the target continues to be the kids. We know that the few that are on the point of the spear trying to do the right thing, and there are there, they are out there, are being shackled by those that want to protect the institution the way it is. We know that in the realm of politics, we have one side that looks more and more like Lucifer's bedchild, and that we would call the, for the sake of this conversation, we'll call it the Democrat Party. And now we have the other side, led by President Trump, that wants to make itself look like the new coming of Jesus. I, I have a problem with that on both of them. And in, out here, there's us. And there's a whole bunch of people that are lost and wandering. There's a ton of people that have been damaged by this vax. There's a ton of people that have been damaged by this war. I mean, keep in mind, the person that's shot, their injuries heal. But in a war, these are injuries that do not heal. Traumas like this don't really heal. They are they left people permanently harmed and, and injured. And there's a lot of them out here. And y'all, if you question that, just go look at the people that are still wearing masks. And it's tragic. I, I don't it's easy to mock, but it really breaks my heart to see how many people have been victimized by a very, very effective psy war to literally damage them in a way that they'll never be the same. And they become tools for whomever comes to power. It doesn't matter whether it's Trump or whether it's the other side. They become useful tools to move policy. And anytime there's something of fear, those people are going to be right on the front of it to push those policies. So all that said, our role right now in engagement becomes increasingly important. And it's one of these places I've given a lot of, I've been giving a lot of thought to the last few days on the sort of things I did in Afghanistan. And you hear me talk about red lines, and I want to close with this tonight because I really want to get something clear here. You have to have red lines. And you have to know what those red lines are, at least conceptually, so that you will be prepared to react at a level-headed way at a moment of crisis. Some of those red lines can be fairly extreme, like what you would do to protect your family. And that doesn't mean it's limited at your property line, just so we're clear. But other of those red lines are also just how you're going to respond. For example, if your child is now suddenly wants to, or your grandchild wants to become another gender. What is, what's the process there? And these aren't easy. But the one thing that I look back on my experience in Afghanistan is that what God gifted me was a great deal of temperance. And with the temperance, he gave me level thinking. 
I keep thinking back to a night we were coming back from a meeting. We were within a mile of the base. In fact, I could see the gates of the base. And we were stopped at a checkpoint that I did not expect to be stopped at. And I showed my IDs, and it didn't matter because these guys were, these Afghan police were as dirty as it came. And they were looking to shake us down and who knows what else. And my interpreter was working hard that moment, trying to get us out of the situation. And he, I remember when he looked over at me and he looked down and I had my hand on my nine millimeter. And I looked at him and I said, you have 30 seconds and then I'm going to shoot the cop and I'm going to run over the other one and we're going to make a beeline for the base. And I knew that was going to be a absolute hellstorm if I did it, but I had no choice. And it's in that moment, everything gets very real. You understand what you've committed to. You understand what you have to do. And there would be no lost sleep over it. Fortunately, God was with us that night. And he was able in the next 30 seconds to literally make a breakthrough, probably slightly motivated by a nine millimeter that was ready to be drawn and and used. But the thing is that that was a rare occasion with a number of bad guys that I met. And part of it, I believe, my role wasn't the same. I wasn't in a kill capture team. I wasn't out there to try to bring in high value targets, not that way. But a lot of it in the demeanor is to always understood, and I always did understand what I might have to do, and I was willing to do it. And that's the position I come from when I talk about red lines. This is a getting to be a very fluid environment out here in the United States. What happened in Chicago is a great example. If you didn't see videos of what they did to that Walmart, it's insane. I have never seen a store so massively damaged, ravaged, and destroyed. You know, it's just like watching a hornet attack on the whole thing. And the testimony that I watched last night was really moving and it's sad because it was a black woman that came down to get food for her babies. And she even says it. She says, I can't even get food for my babies. They want us, these other kids, they want me to become an animal like them and I refuse. And she walked out of the store, didn't take anything. She said, I will pay for anything, but I can't even find something to to get for my children. That Walmart will close and she will be left like many others, very difficult place of having to get food. There's a lot of victims right now. And there's going to be a lot of need for us to build community and show that support. But we have to come together in strong ways because there's a lot of vultures out here. These kids, this youth that's out here, this running rampant, whatever's driving them, they absolutely don't respect anybody. They don't fear and they don't respect. And when you take away those two things, fear and respect, and that whether it's fear in God, respect for one another, you end up with a very dangerous human being. And it's an important time to get very clear, keeping your head on a swivel, 
Be very clear what your red lines are. Understand what you can and can't do legally and know when those lines may have to be crossed and what that would require of you to do. This is the world we now live in. I don't know how long it's going to be this way. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Let's pray. Father God, we are blessed to be here tonight. And thank you for the continued guidance and wisdom in a difficult time. If there's one thing that we know that we are going to always turn to faith, unfortunately, in this time of a fluid environment, is we are setting solid in faith, but the challenge for us is to find navigate through some very difficult spaces that often put us in conflict, in a moral dilemma of where we might like to be and what we may have to do. So, Father, in, in this moment, we pray very deeply for the clarity for people as they go through situations without building anxiety or fear, but to simply start to ready themselves through prayer and relationship in the walk in Christ of what is necessary as we seek to expand the relationship in Christ and at the same time prepare our plowshares into swords. The time that we live, Father, is a treacherous one and at the same time an extremely difficult one because it is the extremes. It is Peter and Jesus in the garden. It is the sword of the steel and the sword of the spirit. And so as we close this prayer, Father, we pray that as much time as one places on the study and practice of the sword of steel, may they also commit to the practice of the sword of the Spirit. These things don't come easy, and they take diligence to accomplish all. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. As I close, I want to read this to-do list. I came across it today. It's pretty cool. The one-minute Bible love notes is what it's called. It's pretty cool. Number one, spend time with Jesus, Psalm 27.8. Number two, let him prioritize my day, Matthew 6.33. Number three, pray instead of worrying, Philippians 4.6. Number four, be honest about my sins, James 4.10. Number five, think of others, Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Number six, wait patiently for God to act, Psalm 27, 14. Seven, be willing to do hard stuff, Matthew 6, 24. Eight, read God's word, Psalm 119, 9 to 16. Good way to close tonight. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. 
So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back.